Welcome back to the Creative for More podcast. My name is Morgan, and we are doing this new series called Where Are They Now? Where I am talking to people from my original squad, from the world race. It has been a year since we've returned home from the field, and I thought it'd be so cool to sit down with different people who I did the race with, see what they're up to, how is life, do they have a new job, are they doing something exciting, are they married now, Um, what types of things have they really drawn from their experience on the race now that it's been some time that has passed, what sticks out to them and lessons learned, all sorts of things, but really it's also just an opportunity for me to catch up with my friends, which is a plus for me. But thank you for joining, and today I have with me Madison Goforth. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get started. Where are they now? Madison, I'm so happy to do this with you. Me too, Morgan. Wow. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. We're in Waco, Texas right now. We are in Waco, Texas. Oh I gosh. never thought I would land here. <laughs> Seriously, though, and we're sitting in this house. Will you just like a little minute description of what's happening in this house right now? Okay, Morgan. My So I've been in Waco for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And... I have an incredible roommate Mm -hmm. that God ordained in my life. She is 23 years old. She is a go-getter, and she bought a house Mm -hmm. during COVID. Wow. And so she's been renovating it, and the plan was to have it done by August 1st. (laughs) And man, it is August 23rd today, and my first night sleeping in this house was yesterday. (laughs) And the house is still not done, but that's okay. She's an awesome gal. There's a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's done looks so cool. Thanks. You should mention, like, yes. yeah, it looks really cool. Super cool. We're sitting on the one couch in the house <laughs> yeah. in an empty living room. Uh-huh. You can probably hear the fan in the background. Yeah, there's like a warehouse vibe to what oh, we're yes. doing today. Because we're not really just like in, you know, someone's bedroom or in an office space or like, we I are in my like living room empty warehouse. walls, empty floors. <laughs> so true. So true. Oh my gosh. Okay. I just can't wait to let people hear about what you're doing because I believe uh, in what you're doing so much. Wow. All of this is without context, so I guess we should start. But um, uh, yeah, okay. You're doing campus ministry mm-hmm. with yes. Stumo. Yes. And specifically here in Waco at Baylor University. So I'm just going to mention that, but we're going to get into that more about how that came to be. Because first I want to touch on um, what it was like for you to come home. Mm. We got back at the end of August. Now it is the end of August in 2020. But like, I don't know, to come back to Tyler, Texas, where you're originally from, family members, old friends, old community. And that was pre-COVID, so everything was still like very normal, but Mm -hmm. just to be like thrown back into regular life. Although knowing that you were going to be leaving again, tell me about that. So that was September of 2019, right? Yeah. So yeah, coming home from the race was not the normal transition for me Mm -hmm. um, because I was only home for a month. And so I went back home to Tyler and I didn't even really unpack. Like Mm -hmm. I was just always on the go. I spent a week in Fort Worth, spent a few days in Dallas, was visiting all my different family, all my different friends. And so I, I didn't even take a moment mm-hmm. to sit and process through what had yeah, just happened like in reflect. the last 11 months. 
because I knew I was like, I'm, I'm going again. So my sure. experience isn't over. Right. And so I think you were I just didn't. Like hitting pause. I was hitting pause uh-huh. for for a month. It kind of felt like month twelve. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was very. It was a good chaotic. Yeah. It was really that was a really good month of my life. Wow. Just like seeing friends. I had I had nothing to do but catch up with friends. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like good long coffee talks and staying up late and sleeping on people's couches and (laughs) it was it was very very fun okay were people like interested like your old friends Mm. and stuff were they asking you good questions or was that some kind of weird tension that you found of like I want to process some of these things but no one's really asking much or I don't know for sure um there was kind of a mix at that point yeah um I have I came home to a really awesome community Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something I need to touch on. I had an awesome community before the world race. And so they asked me some pretty good questions Mm -hmm. and they were excited to hear, but I would say on average, people don't know what to ask. Mm -hmm. And so I found this weird tension. I, I had expectations for people to ask really good questions and be really interested. And those expectations weren't met. Sure. And it caused me a lot of frustration during my first I, that first month home and then also later when I got back mm-hmm. from the second round. But, yeah, people don't really know what to ask. And so they say, like, hey, how was your trip? Right. And you tell them a two-second answer and then sure. we kind of move on. And it, sure. it can leave you disappointed if if you don't step in and exercise grace, I think. Right. They just don't know what to ask. Yeah. I mean, if they've never done the trip, or also it depends on your relationship with the person. Like, yes. if you're just shaking someone's hand at church who you only see, like, on a weekly basis, yeah, they might ask you something really basic. What was your favorite country or something like that? But also, if you're sitting down with, like, a good friend, they probably know more of, like, your heart and, like, maybe how the experience impacted you more if they were following along with your vlogs yeah. and, like, YouTube videos or your written blogs, if they saw your pictures, like, on social media then they're a little bit more connected to the story. So then maybe the questions are more intentional. So it depends on who you're even talking to, but also, yeah, like their relationship with you and maybe how much time they even have in that moment. So it's all very weird and you can't like put too many high expectations on it, or you might be left disappointed a lot of times, but that's cool. I I love at least knowing that you got to like hop around and visit with people and have like long conversations and catch up with old friends because you valued your community so much. So that's great. And you had decided to squad lead while we were on mm, the race. Like, yeah. that's whenever you went through that process. And I remember being in Panama with you. Like, when you were, yeah. you were like, interviewing for, like, Stumo stuff. And you're like, am I going to start this, you know, as soon as I get back? But now somebody's approaching me about squad leading. Um, and I don't know. Like, maybe a little bit what was that decision like. Yeah. But also to then just jump right in. Because I know you didn't get to go to Project Searchlight, PSL. Yes. Because yes. you wanted to be at home because you only had so much time. Something important was happening, like, with your sister, like an event or something. Yes. Like prom or homecoming or I don't know. And so you decided to stay home and then, yeah, to just jump yeah. right into launch with this new yeah. squad. So, okay, I'll start with the decision to squad lead. Yes, I remember Panama was an awesome month. We had such a good month in Panama. (laughs) Like, decision-making, it was a super hard month. Yeah. um, Because I I didn't really want to squad lead. Yeah. Um, So I was raised up to squad lead on our race, and I Mm -hmm. feel like that changed a lot of my experience on the world race. And it was awesome, and I wouldn't change it for anything, and I probably grew more squad leading with O-Squad than I've ever grown in my life, probably. Wow. 
um, it, it really, really did teach me so much of what it means to empower people and to lead people and yeah, it taught me so much. Mm-hmm. That can be a different podcast another time. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I, I feel like really by the end of O Squad Race, I was just ready to, to be done. Mm-hmm. I did not want to keep doing the race. I was kind of burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I felt a little bit like a lot of my race had been taken from me a little bit. That's mm-hmm. dramatic, but sure. um, that's what the emotions felt like. And yeah. so when they asked me to squad lead again... Oh man, I remember I just went into our little hotel, the little hostel mm-hmm. room and just cried all by myself that day. I don't know if you remember, I stayed home from ministry because okay. I wasn't feeling good. Okay. And I just cried for a few hours actually wow. and um, just kind of counted the cost of, of what I would miss again. I would miss weddings and um, newborn babies and I would miss my little sister's senior year and counted the cost and then realized that I really did feel like the Lord was asking me to squad lead again. And so I guess jumping into that, Mm -hmm. I, the Lord redeemed and gave me so much during my five months of squad leading a squad. (laughs) It was, I mean, so in our last month, Mm -hmm. month 11 in Ecuador, I flew home Mm -hmm. to training camp to meet my new squad, which was a whole bunch of emotions. I'm not sure if I made the right decision, but I do know that from the moment I walked in, so I walked into the training center Mm -hmm. because me and Adria were late Mm -hmm. and they were already worshiping and I walked in and we saw Fran. No, Fran drove us, but we walked in. She pointed to our squad and I mean, I just fell to my knees and started just crying because... I knew, I have the chills, I knew in the moment that these were people that the Lord was going to use me to grow and use them to grow me. And I just, I like felt immediately like I was in the right place. And Jeez. So yeah, squad leading them was so <laughs> humbling. They taught me an even deeper level of how to empower people because they were incredible followers mm-hmm. of Adrian and I. Like hmm. from day one, they, they saw the opportunity to empower us and just took it. And I mean, there were, I'm, I'm 24 now, but I was 23 then. And there were 20, sorry, there were 33 year old women on that squad who would just sit down with me and say, Madison, teach me your wisdom. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I don't deserve to teach you my wisdom. Like I don't even know how to balance a checkbook. You're 33 years old. And (laughs) it was just, it was, it was really, really incredible. And they were a completely different squad than O squad and. Um, I remember you saying that early on too, like how stark the difference was. Yes. And I also remember, I think around your fourth month, maybe because then I started squad leading in January, but I remember you like sent me a voice message and said like month was three really hard for you. Yes. And then you said like, but then it got like so good again. And like, you were like, if I could do all 11 months, I would do it. Like if I could just stay with them for the last month, one and two were hard. Because I, well, month one, we started out with all squad month, Mm, which is crazy hard. And so I think it was, we probably, Adrian and I didn't set the right boundaries of like, hey, we're your squad leaders. We're not your like team leaders. We're not in charge of your everyday life. And I think Adrian and I operated as team leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, all squad month was hard because I had all these expectations of going really deep with 
with my racers in all right. squad month, it's hard to make time to do that. And right. so I feel like I just went really surface level with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And then month two, I think was hard again, because again, I had these expectations to just have really deep roots and relationships are a process, you know? For sure. And so... And it is hard knowing that you only have like five months total. So yes. you're like making each one count as much as you can. Yes. Even though you have to know, yeah, like everything's like a process and it takes time. Yes. And that just like sucks because maybe you're like not like striving to make something happen, but you're like, you know, I want to make each conversation count where they all have 11 months to yeah. unfold their relationships and see what friendships look like and stuff. But so considering your role of like being at an elevated position as far as, like, maybe how you're interacting with all of them, trying to, like, be on this, like, equal playing field in a way, but, like, also trying to make each conversation count while fulfilling your duties and the responsibilities that you have. And it is tricky. It's a lot. So I could see that pressure at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But month three, we clicked, and, man, it was just, like, uphill from then on. I don't know. Squad leading was awesome it's so good yeah and then your squad got taken from the field early as well yep you got to finish your five months yes. which is good but then weren't they like taken pretty soon after that yeah Every, everyone always asks me if covid brought me home and it didn't i came home the week before spring break okay in in the united states and spring break is when you know all the toilet paper went missing blah 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 <laughs> and so i came home a week before spring break, and then I went on spring break, and then I think maybe like three months after spring break is when my squad was taken off the field. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, Adventures and Missions brought like over 600 missionaries home in like three days. You were one of them. <laughs> uh-huh. It was insane. It did feel like some kind of mass exodus or yeah. something, and I know that like, I didn't even get to see the behind the scenes yeah, of it, oh which my. I think this is even something I talked about in that podcast I did whenever I was first coming back. Um, but yeah, like just to be on the field, to see that side of it, of like being on the phone with Amy and hearing it's happening and we're all going back and just to even be in Thailand with one squad and even one team specifically, like, so there's that side of it, of being on the field, but I can't imagine what Adventures and Missions was also going through, of like, we have to pull the plug on this thing, and people are going to be devastated. Yeah. But I mean, anyways, they handled it well, I think. Yeah. Okay, so then whenever you came home from squad leading, you mm. you had also, God was very kind, as far as like setting up squad leading for you, and still the opportunity to do uh, student yes. ministry, right? Yeah, I can touch on that okay. real quick. I think, so it's something that I've always done in my life, and I didn't really realize it until Panama, uh-huh. is I've kind of put God in this box of he can only give me one thing. Mm-hmm. So when I, was, when I was processing through squad leading, you're right, I called student mobilization okay. um, because I wanted to work for them. And I had started the process with them, and they were kind of like, yes, Madison, we'll make a spot for you. And then... AIM called and asked me to squad lead, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can only do one. If I squad right. lead, I'll never work for Stumo. <laughs> if I work for Stumo, I'll never get to squad lead. And then I called the director of Stumo. I called him, and I was like, hey, Brian, what would it look like for me to come back in March yeah. of next year and start fundraising for Stumo after I squad lead? And he was like, Madison, that actually would work so much better than you starting in Jeez. September because then you would be in line with all the other staff. And I was like, wait, I can have them both? Right. And he was like, 
well, yeah, you can have them both. Oh and gosh. I just, I realize that I like hold God in this box of like, uh-huh. he can only do one thing. Uh-huh. And that's just, that's not, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It, he, he can give us both. And sometimes he wants to give us both. And other times he only wants to give us one, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, it that's was true. A lot. You're not always going to get all of it or whatever, but yeah. it does seem like anytime that we have that mindset in whatever situation that we're in, where it's feeling limiting or constricting in some way and being like, oh, I have to like give up something. Sometimes you do have to like give up something for another. But yeah. if, if you're feeling like, yeah, if it's limiting you or something in some way, really God has like just something better. And sometimes that is both, yeah. or like all of it. And then sometimes it's something else. But either way, it's going to just be better. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. So true. That's so cool. Okay. So then you came home from squad leading and yeah. you just like started fundraising and stuff and jumping yeah, into all the stumo business. So I guess, should I tell them what stumo is? Yeah. Yeah. If they haven't heard of it, they're probably like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yes, so I got home in March, Mm -hmm. and I think the beginning of March, and I took all of March off just to be with my family. That's smart. We went on a trip to Colorado. Um, I just kind of processed through the past year and a half of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started fundraising for STUMO. So yeah, STUMO is student mobilization. Mm -hmm. It's just a college ministry, and we're on about... 25 to 30 campuses nationwide mm-hmm. um and my dog may bark <laughs> yes, so okay. just get ready her little puppies she's another dog <laughs> six outside. months old and she's been hopping on the couch that we're <laughs> sitting on and we're like slowly moving around the ipad and the cords to the microphone to like make sure it doesn't become unhooked but yeah she's like really looking at another dog across the street oh. now so yes stumo yeah how stumo works is i fully fund my salary. The Lord fully funds my salary. And so in April, I started fundraising. And what that looks like is I just sit down with different people. Um, COVID made it super weird. Mm -hmm. That was, I literally started fundraising during a pandemic and I got a lot of very discouraging people telling me that I was insane. Oh my gosh. But for the most part, it was awesome. And, yeah, I would just sit down with people, tell them about my heart for college students and um, kind of my testimony. I, I rededicated my life to the Lord in college, yeah. and that's when I started taking my, my walk with Christ seriously. And so, yeah. yeah, I got to share my testimony with a lot of people and then Jeez. ask them to come on my monthly support team. And I am now fully funded in a pandemic. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was Before April. the school year has even started. But yes, yes. April, May, June, and then in July, around mid-July, um, oh my gosh. people finished off my well, fundraising. Yeah. And so here we are. That's insane. Yeah. And now the school year starts on Monday. The school year starts on Monday. Tomorrow. So Yeah. I moved here about two weeks ago. Yep. And last week I got to move students in. I'm working at Baylor. Yeah. Got to move students in to Baylor, and that was hard and fun, and this week we'll start doing stuff. We'll start yeah. our, our ministry. We'll start our organization. Jeez. Yeah. I receive your newsletters, like, in my email, and I love seeing the updates and, like, just the ins and outs of what this all actually consists of because like in the beginning stages it's probably like a lot of ideas and all these things and then you start meeting actual students 
and you start like that whole process. I remember how impactful a campus ministry was for me in college. So I think that's why I like love what you're doing and yeah. like just see the potential for it and how, how beneficial it is. And you even said that you, during like the move in week that you were in like the dining hall areas and you were like sitting down with girls and yes. stuff. And do you want to like mention what you said last night as far as like all of a sudden you're like back in college? Yes. Kind of. <laughs> oh my goodness. I thought that was so interesting. This job is is so unique. So what Morgan is touching on is I literally walk into the cafeterias, the (laughs) dining halls, the freshman dining halls, (laughs) and I walk up to students and I say, hey, can I sit with you? And every (laughs) single time they're like, oh, what year are you? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not a student. (laughs) I'm 24 years old. Wearing this neon green, move to be you shirt. <laughs> I feel like I'm a camp counselor, and I work for a student ministry called Stubo. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's, it's really crazy. It has, it has already, week one, like pulled out a lot of insecurities in me that I'm having to, to process and talk through with the Lord of, mm-hmm. of just fearing people. Like, why am I so nervous that these freshmen aren't going to like me? Yeah. You know, it's... It's, it's not my first day of school. Like, right. It's not my freshman year, but for some reason, even though I've, I've done this college thing, I've done the freshman year thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's like all over again, I'm feeling the emotions of what if people don't like me? Yeah. What if I'm not accepted? What if I'm not cool? And yeah, it's just bringing a lot of insecurities out of like, man, I'm really fearing people. Right. And I'm really being a little selfish if... I'm like walking up to these people and I'm only thinking about how I'm going to be perceived, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's already really deepening my, my dependence on the Lord. Right. Cause whenever you first said that last night, as you were describing that, like I thought that's so interesting because you are, you're removed from that world. Technically like you have graduated, you are an alumni of a college, like, and now you're back. So I was like thinking, well, there's gotta be some kind of like layer to that, like some kind of tough skin of like, I'm not like a student, but I could also see how you're so recently removed from that world. Like you're still young and you could definitely, you pass for a college student. And so like, it's not like you going back to an elementary school and being like, whatever they say is not going to bother me. You are like very similar in age. I mean, there are people going to the university that are probably like your age, you know? So I don't know. It would be different if you were like in your thirties or forties doing campus ministry on, on like campus I don't know so I could see how that would definitely toy with my emotions if I were to do something like that too so it makes sense I could totally see how it would make you like start engaging with some of those emotions again yes but it's crazy um how long is the commitment to three years three years yeah okay you've this is something that you had just talked about for so long yeah so it's so fun to just see it come full circle and now we're sitting in Waco. I also got to meet your friend Allison. Yes! And Allison, Madison was my first episode of the podcast um, on the World Race. And she had a friend at home in Texas named Allison who like, listened to that first episode and then kept listening to the podcast, reached out to me in Missouri later whenever we came home from our race. And then we like got connected and I got to meet Allison last night. Yeah. And we had breakfast It was today. really wild. So crazy. Um, I also want to ask, like, kind of circling back then to our race, like, what is something, now that it's been a year, or a couple of things, like, whatever, like, what 
sticks out in your mind of like mm. my time on the race <clears throat> some time has passed now I'm doing this but when yes. I think back to the race and I'm talking about it with people or whatever because people have been asking about it recently too um, like this is what sticks out in my mind of something that I learned or a theme of my race yes oh man I feel like <laughs> people always ask me what did you learn right and I'm like a year and a half of learning yeah <laughs> But I think what I always come down to, what I always start to think about is I think what changed in me on the race was the, the way that I now see the body of Christ. Mm. Because I yeah. think, I mean, I had never been on a mission trip. I had traveled. I studied abroad in Spain and I went on a trip to Paris and Florence in high school, but I... I realized on the race that I had this very small view of what a believer looks like. Uh And it looks like someone who gets dressed up for church Mm -hmm. and holds a coffee in their hand while they lift the other hand during worship. (laughs) And it looks like someone who journals their emotions and thoughts. And, you know, it just, it looks like an American Christian. And I still, I mean, I still do those things. Like, I'll probably take a coffee this morning to church. Yeah. (laughs) However... I realized that God is so creative in the way that he molded culture and Hmm. different societies and different types of people and gifts and strengths. And when I think of the body of Christ now, I don't just think of the American church. Mm -hmm. I think of the Africans that we danced with in Lesotho Mm -hmm. coming down and like Mm -hmm. just yelling worship music so loud and dancing and I just I think of so many different things or I think of the time in Thailand where we went to that church and they were singing in Thai and we were singing the same words in English Mm -hmm. and I just started I don't think I was a crier at that point I wasn't I was about to say I started crying I didn't but on the inside I was (laughs) because it just in that moment I was like this is what the kingdom is like. Yeah. The kingdom is different languages and tribes and nations and people coming together and worshiping the same creator. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, I think that might be the biggest thing that the Lord taught me is that different is not bad. Yeah. And I think I, before the race, I, mm-hmm. I would have never said that, but it's how sure. I lived, that right. different wasn't right. Which is huge. That is so huge. That's one of the biggest questions I had, like, leaving America and starting the race. I wanted to know what my faith looked like looked like outside of the American church. Yes. And very similar to what you're talking yeah. about. Like, knowing, well, this can't be exactly what it is. And what, when I was doing my leadership training for squad leading, um, they were doing that cultural talk. I forget his name. Yes. Danny. And, like, he was talking about different religions and the different um, types of cultures that there are, all of that. But something specific that he said, because it's also easy to then you, like, go overseas on a mission trip or you're traveling or whatever. But, like, as a believer, to see other people in other cultures, how they worship God and to be like, wow, why do we do the things that we do here? We have the lights and the speakers and the whatever. It's all so useless. Yeah. And I think that there's a healthy thing there to wrestle with of like, why do we do those things? But he had said something interesting. This is after my 11 months and then I'm about to squad leave. But he was like, 
because I think I was starting to be hard on certain things yes. about the American church, which I think is normal for a lot of racers to come back and experience, a lot of missionaries. But he said, like, the way that American culture honors things with, like, the best that we have, money, like, we want to throw all of, like, our resources into it or whatever. Like, of course, with church we would want a well-designed building that looks really nice and that we like dress up nicely or that we have the best lights and the best speakers yeah. and the band. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it gets twisted into like being, you a know, show. idolizing those things and being very showy. But the root of it has like, what's well, American culture. Yeah. Excellence, honoring the church with what, how we honor yeah. all things in our culture. Yeah. So it makes sense with that context, but... It's just interesting, um, but that was one of the big things that I also yeah. was like seeking to find, like how does like my faith look like in other places as well, and that's just huge. So yeah. that's cool that that was a really big theme for you as well. Was there anything else like? Also, you I guess had mentioned earlier with squad lead, like being a raised up squad leader, how like yes. you were learning leadership and communication and those sorts of things. That must have been a big part then, too. Yes, yes. Man, I don't know if y'all just heard my dog lick all over the microphone, but she did. <laughs> um, yes, man, I learned a lot. I think we all... Sorry, my dog's licking all over the microphone. It's okay. I think we... I mean, this was my experience with squad leading, but I think as racers, we also all learned this. I learned a lot in how to, like, confront others mm -hmm. like I learned a lot in how to have hard conversations with grace hmm. and I learned a lot about grace because <laughs> yeah. I had to have some of the hard conversations multiple times mm -hmm. and I think yeah I think I also learned like the beauty of persevering in a relationship you know in first Corinthians 13 it's like hope believes all things mm -hmm. and endureth all things and I think I learned a little bit deeper of what it means that love believes all things. Like yeah. I, I learned that when I saw people acting out in their flesh mm -hmm. and acting out in sin, that that wasn't who that person is. Mm -hmm. Like that person, let's say they're being angry. Yeah. That person is actually patient, mm -hmm. but they're acting out in anger. And I think usually we just peg that person as an angry person. Yeah. Um, but really, they're acting outside of the character of who God created them to be. Yeah. And when we actually shift and have that perspective change, then we're not mad at that person anymore. We want to help them become the patient person that I know they are. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I, I learned how to play the long game. I learned that... Man, like getting rid of that anger is a is a process and it's a chipping away process and mm -hmm. I might have to have the same conversation with them two to twenty times. Sure. <laughs> but it's worth it because and I I think I told you this over that voice message I sent you. I saw on my squad, like in month one and two, I, I kind of you know, when you live in community that heavy, you start to see the, the flesh and the sin of all people yeah. that you're living around. Everything comes out. And so I started just praying for those things and specific people. And around month four and five, I started to see those things fall oh away. Gosh. And it was all worth it. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's all worth it to play the long game in a relationship mm -hmm. and persevere through the 
the flesh and the sin because people did it for me. People yeah. are doing it for me, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, my gosh. And Jesus did it for me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that's, that's the core of it. It's like, man, Jesus died on the cross. I mean, he played the really long game. Yeah. He's still waiting on yeah. us, mm-hmm. you know? And Oh, my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. I was getting so excited. We're going to have to wrap up in a second. We actually were going to church in a bit, <laughs> which is... <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny that, like, we were able to record this so quickly right before, and I'm so glad that we did. But what you were touching on, like, it that's the stuff that I was getting so excited for about, like, month four and five with the squad that we were with. And, like, because we were in that really messy part, it was about two and a half months in, a little bit less, where, like, all of that stuff was coming out and people are just being refined yeah. and refined. And that continues throughout the whole 11 months for sure. And they don't have to be on the race for that to happen. So that was a good reminder for me. But, of course, in the context of the race, and I'm, like, looking ahead at the long game or even just a five-month game, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to see something come to fruition in month four or, like, watch this person hopefully experience a lot of freedom in this way. And to then just, like, like everything just be, like, ripped away. And then we were just back in the States. And so for a while that was something I think I was processing of, like, man, I watched my squad for 11 months do all these things and grow so much. Are these people being like robbed of it, of that Mm. opportunity to grow and to change in these ways or experience freedom or whatever? But like I said, like it doesn't have to happen on the race and it sucks that it can't happen in that way, like overseas and with this group of people all together, they're going to have to now find it for themselves. So for our squad, it was just like different, like, we got to finish our yeah. 11 months and these guys didn't get to, but like God is going to use that for good still and be like, they got that taste of it and that's enough. That's all they need. Now they're back at home and they're still going to find it. It's just going to look different. It's just really crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever you start the race, you expect to finish. Yes. And, yes. and like you said, if you got to even see these things as a squad leader happen and evolve, I don't know. Yes. <sighs> yeah. And now the race is over. And now we're here. Your time with Adventures and Missions is done. I know. I mean, me too. It's, it's just crazy. pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Yeah. And now yeah. you're in Waco. Yeah. But you're doing amazing things. Yeah. And you're like right at the beginning of all of it. I this know. This is such a timely podcast for you because like yeah, the I'm, semester starts tomorrow. It is, it is funny. A lot of the racers that I've talked with, um, how do I express this? It's weird because I feel like you have all these expectations to get off the race and immediately start something new and yeah. good. Mm. And it takes a few months. Yes. You know, and I've I've been in from really March until now, mid-August, late August. I've been in the season of waiting mm-hmm. after the race. And, I mean, I'm thinking back to that talk that Cody gave at Columbia Debrief mm-hmm. when he was talking about the season of preparation. Yeah. And I feel like I've been in that. But it, it definitely, when I was on the race, I, I never expected mm-hmm. for the transition to home, to home to take so long. Yeah. And I feel like I'm still transitioning home. That's the crazy part. I, and I've, I've talked to some people, and they said that it, it took about six, six to 12 months for the transition to actually feel complete. And I, yeah. don't, I don't know if the transition will ever feel complete. but Sure. But it is, it is a lot longer than mm-hmm. you would expect to get situated back to, I don't know, 
yeah. American culture. Right. No, that makes sense. And start something. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to start something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I wish we had more time. Me too. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Morgan. Of course. <laughs> We're going to go to church now. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but please stay tuned for more episodes like this while I continue to talk to more people about what their transition home has been like mm-hmm. in the last 12 months. All right. Well, see you later. <laughs>